Hello, welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. This is an episode of Unbound Talks. This is Abraham Chen along with David Rethemeyer. Hey, Abe, how are we doing? We are doing well. Again, this is Unbound Talks. We are continuing with our series talking about the four principles that we emphasize here at Unbound. That is ask, understand, do, live. And today we are on do. We are hitting the action portion. And we've talked about concepts and all that a lot. But um, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think we did this last time where we just kept saying the word uh, over and over again that we're is talking about. But <laughs> yes. yeah, the, the concept of do is we're basically it's what we talk about with project based education is that you can think about the answers that you're getting with understand you can ask mm -hmm. relevant questions with the first part with ask but if none of those things actually lead to a change in the real world to a change in the actions that you are taking then they're not very worthwhile so that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode today 100%. Well, I hope that you're in a comfortable place listening or whatever you're doing. I hope you are doing something that's worthwhile. Uh, and uh, if not, I hope that by the end of this episode, you are inspired or at least uh, encouraged to be doing something with this. So, David? Yeah, absolutely. So, without further ado, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy the episode. Well, welcome back, guys. I am very, very excited to be joining you guys for this next part where we have talked in previous weeks about ask and about understand, and now we get to do something about it. And so, Jonathan, I would love to hear from you specifically when we talk about asking, understanding, and then doing. Uh, this is the part where we at Unbound, this is the part where we specialize in what service we provide to students. So talk to us a little bit about what uh, applying this concept looks like in how we do things. Yeah, well, brace yourselves, because this is the part that we're super passionate about. I know we've been kind of you know, sleepy about the other ones, but this is the one that we're really kind of wound up tight about. Uh, so, you know, again, there's a there's a deliberate natural progression here. Uh, if you're in a questions-based paradigm, which means you ask, so you ask better questions to get better answers. When you get better answers, that gives you a better place to ask a better question. And that's what actually drives knowledge and that's what drives discovery. That's what drives progress forward. But in order to ask good questions, you have to understand the context of the world you live in, uh, how the world works, uh, that, you know, the world is driven by narrative and story, that there's a big story, a, a meta-narrative that makes sense of how we live and what our life looks like. And so understanding is important for that context. But then, you know, if you know to ask questions and if you understand the context to ask questions in and you can understand how to ask the right kinds of questions, it has to lead to something. There has to be an outcome to that. And that's the do part, right? You have to take all of that and apply it. And this is really a big thing. I, you know, I don't know that I would say that knowledge without application is useless. I, I think that I like to learn and there's lots of things that I know and I know about that I don't know that I have a, an immediate practical application for. But at some level, uh, knowledge must be practically applied to move things forward, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to have everything in your head, you have to then turn into something practical, but you have to be able to take it from theoretical to actual in order to uh, make an impact in the world, to make a difference, to serve people, to help people, to, to build the kingdom of God. And so that's the, the do part. And uh, maybe we can just start this with an illustration that really gets the heart of what we think educationally about this. 
Um, so I worked as the director of admissions for a private selective liberal arts college in traditional higher education before moving into non-traditional higher education. So I've really seen this from both ends. And when I started in traditional education, I started in an admissions field that was driven entirely by direct marketing mail tactics. So in other words, uh, physical mail, direct mail marketing was the secret sauce that was what marketing was for institutions of higher education. And that would have been the case since World War II, uh, maybe even before World War II, but really ramped up after the GI Bill sent so many young men flooding into colleges and universities and they had to sort of compete. And so just think about this context. I graduate from college and I enter a job where the uh, skills and the knowledge necessary to be successful in that job have been honed for over 60 years. And so in that sense, an answers-based paradigm makes a lot of sense, right? You would read what other people have done. You might take four years studying, getting a marketing, I didn't have a marketing degree, but you could spend four years getting a marketing degree, studying direct mail tactics from a professor who had studied everybody that knew everything about direct mail tactics. And when you would get out, you would know all about that and you would be able to quickly adjust for the industry that you got into. And you could take those principles that you had learned over four long, laborious years studying and you could apply them. And that kind of careful review of the information available was both useful and helpful because you would have it in your head. You would understand that. And to get it from any other source was going to mean, you know, research and all those kinds of things. And so that's an advantage for your employer if you knew all those things. Now, that's an answers-based paradigm, and that's a system where learning is most important because you can learn all those things. All right, we don't live in that kind of world. That world ended the first year I started my job, right? Ten years later, when I moved on from traditional higher education, we had obliterated the direct mail marketing strategies. Those were no longer useful. We had obliterated the next technology that came along. Email marketing was no longer useful. We had obliterated the next one that came along. Internet and web 2.0 marketing was no longer useful. We had started into social media marketing. And then the first levels of social media marketing also had been obliterated. Now, that's in less than 10 years that that takes place. And, you know, if I knew anything about direct mail, I didn't have the ability to fast switch to all those new things coming down the pike at the level they were. In other words, we had completely transitioned to a questions-based paradigm, which is what we talked about and ask. But now, let's back up a little bit and let's think about this means from an educational standpoint. I hire a lot of people who do marketing. I've done that for a long time in various different jobs. If somebody comes to me with a marketing degree, that's not only not helpful to me, it's almost useless. Because, in fact, it's almost a detriment because what that's saying is that the person with that marketing degree, they spent four years in a situation where they were learning a bunch of stuff that was outdated probably the first year they started, but was definitely outdated by the time they graduated, taught by somebody who's probably been outdated for decades that has no idea what's currently going on in marketing. And that's true because you know what's really hot right now is Instagram marketing. You know what just happened last week? Instagram changed all the rules. You know what our staff has been doing? Trying to figure out what Instagram is doing so we can figure out how we can adjust our marketing, right? Well, I don't have time to send somebody, I don't have somebody time to send somebody to a six-week course to do that, right? This is actually happening in real time instantly. People have to adapt almost on the fly for this. It's not like anybody's developing content that can turn around and teach that, not beyond just the real general type of stuff. 
And so what's much more useful to me? What's more useful to me is a young and hungry student who cares and is interested and passionate about marketing and is willing to get in and try and do stuff and fail and learn from their failures and move ahead. In other words, somebody who knows nothing about marketing but has an appetite to ask and a desire, an appetite to learn about marketing and the ability to ask good questions is more useful and more valuable to me than somebody that spent four years getting a marketing degree from even a high prestige university. Now, that's what we mean by do in education, that a project-based education, which is a term that we used, is an education that incorporates real work, real functional stuff that you have to do for real value. And that we say that in today's world, in all but a few specialized fields, that completely trumps the educational process of four years of learning the theoretical, you know, uh, hypothetical uh, case study type stuff that is outdated almost by the time you learn it versus, you know, getting out there and just actually trying, succeeding, failing, learning from those and going forward. Um, so that's that's the philosophy that the whole do aspect of this is based on in project based education. So I hope that gives us kind of an introductory start uh, to kind of talk about this, David. Yeah, yeah, that's super helpful and definitely appreciated that example. Uh, so I'd love to ask uh, Victoria, I'd love to ask you uh, to elaborate a little bit more on project based education. What does it mean to learn by doing in this way? How have we approached that? Learning by doing actually is a fantastic description of project based education. So that's a great definition, David, I might kind of just steal your words right there uh, from the get go. One of the things that we talk about a lot in Unbound and in Ascend is that the world is only changed by the things that we do and not the things that we talked about doing. That education needs to be in contact with the real world and it needs to um, have consequences in the real world and prepare you to live in the real world because that's the whole point of education, right? You're not going to live your life uh, in a bubble. You're going to finish school. You're going to finish your degree. And even if you go a traditional route and you spend that time on a college campus, you're going to leave that campus and you're going to go interact in the real world. And if you haven't ever done that, it's going to be quite a bit of a shock and you may not actually have the skills and abilities that you need to be competitive and to be prepared to do very well in that. So with project-based education in particular, and there's other episodes of this podcast that we have um, hit that, so I'm not going to spend forever on there. But this kind of approach means that students are actually engaging with the real world as they're learning. And so they're taking what they're learning and pulling it into a feedback loop where they're applying it and they're going to do something. And maybe that's, you know, a specific subject, or maybe it's that they're pulling in different um, abilities or different soft skills that they're learning into that, but they're actually doing something that is having a consequence in the real world. And they're going to learn from that and say, okay, what did I learn? What went well? What did not go well? Cool. Let's turn that around and let's do the next project. And so it really is a cycle that is moving them forward, building experience, building, you know, their resume, building real world ability that then they can take and do something with um, as soon as they finish their degree. So they're not waiting for their degree to finish to start living. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And so, Jace, I'd love to hear from you on this, um, specifically on how uh, you think that this concept of learning by doing uh, helps to uh, apply and to make you more successful and aids in that in the real world? Um, yeah, well, David, I think I'll kind of borrow from both Victoria and Jonathan's um, previous answers in that, you know, ultimately it's cheaper usually um, to to learn by doing, um, at least in a monetary sense, and um, that it, it 
it's what really makes the final impact in at the end of the day. And so I'll use an example of of my own marketing um, kind of career. So um, like Jonathan, I um, got a degree that was not in marketing. Um, and I actually, while I was, while I was working on that degree, I was working at a restaurant, I was working at Chick-fil-A, um, not doing marketing, but just doing, um, you know, Chick-fil-A restaurant stuff. And so, um, it was, I'd say a little over half a year after I uh, left Chick-fil-A that I got my first marketing job and I didn't really know much of anything about marketing really. Um, but it was through that job and through the, the fact that I needed to know something about marketing that I actually learned it. Because um, when, when you have the, uh, the necessity of, all right, you have, to, you have to know this in order to do your job, then, then you learn it pretty quick. Um, and so that started kind of that um, process of me learning and saying, okay, what, what do I need to do to get to this goal? This is the, the you know, outcome that we want to have. This is the purpose that we want to see um, you know, done. So how are we going to get there? You know, what needs to happen? Um, okay, we need a landing page here. We need, you know, email here, you know, and, and then, and then not only that, but also learning how to set all those things up and how to do all those things. And how do you build a landing page and all that kind of stuff. And so those skills that I was learning, um, which are marketing skills, I was learning just by doing them and by knowing that they needed to be done. And so, um, I think when you, and, and that doesn't work all the time, right? So once one thing for marketing, like Jonathan mentioned, there are some um, industries that do require you to know what you're doing ahead of time and for good reason, right? No one wants to come into a doctor's office and, you know, your surgeon is like, yeah, this is the first time I'm, you know, doing surgery. I'm just going to kind of, you know, learn as I go. And yeah, you'd, no one would uh, stay in that that surgery room uh, for more than, than 0.2 seconds flat. Um, but the point there is also that um, at the end of the day, uh, you you want a surgeon who's done something, right? So it would be equally discomforting to walk into surgery room and the surgeon says, yeah, I'm prepared for, ready for surgery. I read all the books that have ever been written on surgery and I got a, you know, a passing grade on my test, uh, but I've never really done this before, right? And so um, there is a, there's a level of um, you know, wanting to, to make sure that the, the person that you're putting your life into the hands of in, in, the, in the example of surgery, they know what they're doing and not just in a theoretical or academic sense, but that they have done it before, that they've practiced it, that they have the skills that they've learned by doing it. And so in the medical field, um, you know, there's, there is that process of learning by doing within a safe environment, right? So residency programs and, and stuff like that, um, you know, whereas in my marketing example, it was more like just, you know, there was no, there was no build up to it or lead up to it. It was just, all right, I'm, I'm in this job and I'm learning as I go. Um, and so, you know, there's a little bit of a difference there in those two examples, but the principle is the same. The principle is the same that, that you learn how to, whether it's build a landing page or do surgery, you learn it best by actually doing it and that people will trust you more when you've actually done it. Um, so, so now, um, that people trust me more in terms of marketing because I've actually done marketing. Um, a surgeon who has done surgeries is trusted more than a surgeon who has never done a surgery. And so there's that kind of that double benefit to project-based education, to learning by doing that. First of all, you're going to actually learn it. And second of all, people are going to trust you more, uh, because they can see 
the results of your work. They can see that you know what you're doing because you've demonstrated it. And that's what I think is you know, an important part of, you know, something Victoria mentioned was resume building. You know, for a young person, that's huge. Um, for a young person in a job market, especially a crowded job market, you don't have much of a resume. Any kind of resume you do have is a huge, huge, um, you know, tool and benefit and resource. And so the more that you can put on that resume to say, hey, I've done this, even if it's just a volunteer thing, like, hey, I coordinated this, you know, charity event or whatever, um, you know, that, that means so much more than saying, you know, I took a course or I read a book about, you know, how to run a charity event. But the fact that you've actually done it, um, you know, gives people um, something to to trust you on. I think that one element we don't miss here is, is all those things that's correct, but also that if, if you're listening to this, keep in mind that this is the reality for today's world, that, that you know, we're talking about reality that's changed here. And I'll give you an interesting example of this, right? I mean, we're doing this podcast, and we by no means claim to be experts at podcasts. We're, we're still very much in the learning stages of this. But uh, here's the reality. If we had dedicated ourselves to studying about podcasts for a year or two or even for six months before we started doing the podcast, uh, the technology would have eclipsed where we were. In other words, we started with some of the state-of-the-art stuff and we launched this podcast. And since then, the platform, the tools, the way we do it, everything has changed multiple times throughout just that sh short period that we've been doing this, right? And so if we had sort of dedicated ourselves to learning everything about podcasting before we started the podcast, we would have then finished the learning process and started and realized that everything we just learned about had already become outdated. It's literally moving that fast. Now, and the result is we have some episodes, you know, we probably look back and cringe at a little bit. We have some technical problems that we don't have now. Uh, we have some technical problems now that we won't have in the future. And we have some, you know, overall content things that, you know, I hope if you listen to this and then you listen to us a year later that we're much better. But, but the point is that we're learning every time we do one of these podcasts, we're getting a little better at the technical aspect. We're getting a little better at the narrative aspect. We're getting a little better at the preparation aspect. We're getting a little better at the organization aspect of it. Um, and if we had spent that time studying instead of doing, we would be hopelessly behind. And uh, again, it's not universal. There's still things that you have to know, and there's certain you know, specialties that you have to know a lot of. But for the majority of us, for a lot of the way the world works, technology is moving at such a pace that if you're not in actually doing something, you're going to be default left behind. And so it's not that you abandon education, it's just education has to have a significant experiential component if it's to be useful. Very much so. And uh, continuing with practical examples, uh, the, I think this reminds me a lot of uh, two years ago when I was wrapping up my master's degree in business and I was going through uh, talking to a bunch of different companies who were at my college's career fair. Uh, this was obviously before I came to work for Unbound. And so I had gotten, I had spent all this time, I had gotten my four-year degree. I had uh, then gone to this university to get my master's because eventually I'd like to get my PhD. But in the meantime, I wanted to see about getting a job in the field. And what I found interesting to me was that almost every single company that I talked to who was interested in potentially hiring a business graduate 
really didn't care about anything that I learned in my business classes. They might ask if I knew one or two business concepts, but they said, oh, we're going to provide you like one to three months of hands-on training with somebody who's going to actually take you out there and be doing alongside of you the things that you're going to be doing for the job. We're going to handle putting the information in your head. What we really want to know is whether or not you are going to be someone who follows up on the opportunities that we give you to do things. And so they were a lot more interested in a lot of my extracurricular activities of uh, do be doing my own independent contracting for people and seeing that, hey, these are some things that I went out and did on my own, not just classes that I took. So it sounds like pretty much all of us, and I'm sure you listening at home can also think of examples where knowledge, as we've talked about pretty much throughout this entire series, is not in and of itself a pure advantage anymore, but being able to prove that you can do and you can learn how to do effectively and quickly is a big advantage. Yeah. If you think about this from an employer standpoint, you know, employers are not unaware of the fact that technology is disrupting things really quickly. So successful employers have figured out ways uh, to enable either their people to learn or to actually teach them themselves on the on the job training that you talked about, David. Um, what they can't spend time training and they can spend even so, so before you would hire, like when I first started my career, you would hire somebody for their technical expertise. And then you would assume that you would train them up in the kind of professionalism that comes with being a professional, everything from getting to work on time and all that stuff. And the more they did that, the better, but you know, you'd be willing to cut some slack. When I first started, um, at the college I worked for, you know, I expected people to come in with a base level of understanding what the job was to be. And then I expected I was going to have to teach them some professional stuff as it went along, like in terms of how they acted and things like that. But see, today it's flipped. Every company expects that the people that they bring in, they're going to have to either figure out how to learn on their own, which is really that comes back to our ask, um, you know, questions based uh, paradigm type thing, or they've got very extensive training programs for them. Um, but those two things take a lot of time. And so what they don't have time or any patience for is the teaching you how to be a professional. Uh, so it's a mat so so it's not surprising for me to hire somebody that doesn't know uh, the technical things of what we're doing, but I cannot waste time with somebody who cannot show up, who cannot get things done, who can't be responsible, who can't be trusted with the project, who can't deal with the client correctly, who can't have good work ethic, who isn't able to finish what they start, who doesn't have initiative, all those kinds of things. Well, here's an interesting thing. We teach a lot of those things in Unbound, but that's not found in most educational systems right now. Uh, but we know one place that you know, we do teach some theory behind that, but we teach that theory because we know that our students are going to immediately use it in practice because you don't learn that stuff until you actually do that stuff. That's the kind of thing that can give somebody some real advantage. And that's the kind of thing that can generally only be learned by doing on-the-job type of training, which means the emphasis on do, not the theoretical. You have to actually... Do that. And, and, you know, one more thing here is like, it's in almost every case, hybridization is the way to go, right? So if you just learn on the job, then you've failed to learn from all the people that have learned stuff ahead of time, right? I mean, you're just, you've got a very narrow thing. If you learn before you're outdated, it's when you combine the two. It's when, you know, you're taking classes and you're getting some theory from stuff like our unbound classes, things like that. And people are saying, this is, these are the principles that work. And these are the models that help you understand things. And this is the knowledge you need to have. And you go, okay. And then at the same time, simultaneously, you're applying them because you're doing a real life project or you're getting real life employment or doing that stuff. And you're going, oh, I just learned this in my leadership course. Let me try it over here. Oh, I just learned this in my tactical communications class. Let me try this next time I have a problem with 
with so-and-so. Oh, I just learned this in my financial advantage class. Uh, let me apply this financial model to the stuff that I'm working on right here. Oh, I just learned this in, you know, and, and you're saying, oh, that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. That makes sense in this context. I'm the practice that a little bit more. That hybridization has become extraordinarily powerful. Um, but the kind of the thing that actualizes that is the do part, is the, is the real life stuff with real life consequences. So one thing is I'm thinking through this in uh, how our listeners, especially as those who might have a young student who is listening to this, is that they might have a desire to go out and to do and to take action on these things, but can't seem to find a way to move forward with that. Um, Victoria, I'll, uh, I'll give you the first crack at answering this question. Uh, how would you uh, say that we should go about moving forward with doing? Mm. This stems from a lot of personal experience, David, and so and, and a lot of personal experience as a teenager and as a young adult uh, getting stuck and trying to figure out how to move forward. So I've asked that exact same question. Um, and with the, the benefit of a few more years now, <laughs> looking back under my belt, um, the smallest common denominator, like don't think that you have an interest in writing. And so it means that you have to be an author and know everything about it in the next six weeks. Just do one thing, do one small thing, because even though, and I say this as somebody who used to kind of look down on maybe those those small things, that progress builds progress and momentum builds momentum. Um, it's contagious in that sense. And we've used this example in some of our other stuff in Unbound before, but you know, if you, you know, all of us studying through high school learned about kinetic friction versus static friction and how much easier it is to keep something in motion once it's already in motion, that process of getting started is often the most difficult. And Obviously, I'm not not a physicist or anything, but that applies in a lot of very practical, real world places as well. That that just getting started uh, is often what we need to do uh, to be able to then keep moving. So find something really small. Uh, find somebody who can do that with you, and that can often be be what you need to be able to start making progress forward. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I uh, you know I think of the business concept of an MVP or minimum viable product. Of you don't necessarily have to have the fully functional, uh, completely kitted out, great looking version of whatever you are trying to build to be able to really understand whether it's a concept worth pursuing. It's much more efficient and much more useful to instead develop basically the smallest functional version of what you are looking to do, what you're looking to accomplish, see if that works, and then build from there. So David, what you just described is a questions-based paradigm, right? I mean, when you, when, you buy, when you build a minimally viable product, you're asking a question. You're, you're asking a question in the marketplace, are you interested in this? What part of this are you interested in? And then you, it, it, the answer to that allows you to ask a better question. Oh, so you like this. What about this? Do you like this? Oh, you like that too. What about like this? Well, what do you, do you like this with more features? Do you like this with less features? Do you like this at this price point? Do you like it at this price point? Do you like it here or there? Do you, no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, like, the, but so the point is that you can, you, you know, that, that iterative decision-making process is a question-based paradigm. And that is not every piece of business, right? I mean, there's, but, but it's, it's creeping into more and more places of business. You know, it used to be, you'd say, well, that's not the case for heavy industry, except it is, right? I mean, we're watching Tesla, you know, use iterative decision-making in some of the ways that we're, we're watching, especially as COVID disrupted supply chains, we're watching um, car manufacturers now basically allow consumers to custom build their cars online because they can't go test drive them on the lot because they're not there. Well, you know, 
we're assuming that that means that there's a car coming off the factory line somewhere. That's not actually true. You know, they're looking at what their iterative decision-making process there is like, what are customers asking? Well, let's build those things. Well, what if we change it this way? What's, you know, even in some major industrial sectors, that iterative decision-making is coming in. And as an example of a questions-based paradigm, it used to be an answers-based paradigm. We'll, we'll, we'll research the living daylights out of this. We'll focus group it to death. Uh, we'll do all of our research and then we'll launch a really big finished crafted pot product that will hit the majority of the market and then we'll slowly change it as necessary. That There is almost no place in the marketplace where that actually happens anymore. Um, and so it, that's a great example and a great reminder of how our world's changed and why this questions-based paradigm is such a big deal and why doing. So if, if iterative decision-making in business is the way that things happen, then it should be self-evident that iterative decision-making is not something that you master by academic study. Iterative decision-making and iterative processing is something you master by doing, which is kind of exactly what we're thinking about. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Continuing on with thinking about the listener here, uh, say if there's someone who is wanting to practice what they're learning, is wanting to hybridize and take what they are learning and do something about it, uh, how what would you say to someone, Jace, I'll ask you this question, and what would you say to someone who uh, is struggling to find opportunities to actually practice what they're learning? Yeah, um, well, glad you asked me, David. Um, not that Victoria and Jonathan, I'm sure, don't have personal experience with this, but I do. Um, I do as well, and so I can draw from a little bit of that. Um, and Victoria and Jonathan, please um, add your your experience as well. So that's a, kind of a classic dilemma, right? You 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 have an idea of I, I want to pursue this. I'm learning about this in books and classes and whatnot, and now I actually want to go do something about it. I want to practice it. I want to see if this is something that I might be interested in. In doing and I want to try it out. Um, how do I do that? How do I start? Where do, you know, where do I go to do that? Um, and this is kind of one of those things where, you know, you certainly can look for opportunities. You can look for internship or an apprenticeship or, um, you know, something like that. But I think in some ways, um, it's, it's maybe even more direct to just go and, and make an opportunity for yourself. And that's not to say that you should you know, force it on people or just, you know, go up to the, the, you know, local business and say, I'm going to be your marketing person and I'm not going to, you know, leave until you accept that and, you know, chain yourself to the door and, and demand that they let you, you know, run their social media or whatever. Um, but you know, that's a little bit of an extreme example, but if you tone it down a little bit, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to a local business and saying, Hey, you know what, I've noticed that your Facebook page is, you know, kind of neglected. You always don't post that much, but, you know, whatever it is that you do, um, you know, your business would would work great on a place like Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or whatever. Um, can I help you get on YouTube or get on Instagram? Um, you know, that's a marketing example. So, you know, if, if you're interested in in farming, you know, find a farm near you. Um, and if there's no farms near you, then, um, you know, find one within a couple of hours. I'm sure you're at least within a couple of hours uh, from a farm and, and see if you can't go for, you know, a, a weekend or even just a week and say, hey, can I, you know, come for a week and, and just shadow you? Um, so I, I shadowed people, um, shadowed a history professor at a local community college because um, I thought that was something I might be interested in doing. And um, that was a great experience, just learning more about what he does on a daily basis. Um, you know, there's a lot of different opportunities that kind of come upon you. And, um, and then there's a, 
I think more often times it's the opportunities that you go out and find for yourself. Um, and so being willing to go out and take the initiative is a huge part of that. Um, if you simply stand there and wait for an opportunity um, to come to you, you'll probably be waiting a while and you're probably going to miss some of the best opportunities because the best opportunities don't come knocking. Um, you kind of have to, if we're going to you know, carry that knocking analogy, you kind of have to reach out of the door and drag them in um, from, from off the street rather than waiting for them to knock. So, um, based on my personal experience, you know, taking, um, taking opportunities is great. Um, making opportunities maybe, um, is a nice kind of poetic way to, to put it, um, is sometimes even better. So Jonathan Victoria, I'm sure you guys have experience in, um, in making your own opportunities. Love to hear your thoughts. I would echo that Jace. I think that's an excellent way of putting it. I appreciate the differentiation between, you know, finding opportunities and making them. Um, and I think maybe one additional point to kind of add to that is as teenagers or as young adults, you often don't go first to who you know, but that can be such a powerful, powerful way to make opportunities for yourself. And so, you know, we don't necessarily think of ourselves as particularly networked or connected, uh, maybe, you know, for most of us at a young age, but the reality is there are more people in your life than perhaps you realize um, I just, I just a couple weeks ago, read a book about a gal whose next door neighbor was a marine biology professor. And, you know, she wasn't sure she was interested in that, but realized, oh, I've got a connection here and went with it. Now, maybe your neighbor, you know, may or may not be a professor, but there are people who you know, and people who the people you know, know, who may be able to help you. And so just be open to that and intentional about, you know, if there's an opportunity you want or something you're interested in, start making it known and start leaning into that and seeing who you know and who you might be able to be connected with. And that can be a, a big part of making those opportunities for yourself as well. A lot of this is an attitude and perspective adjustment, right? Um, if you're in an answers-based paradigm and you think that the way to get someplace is if you just learn a bunch of stuff and earn a degree because that's what everything everybody always did, uh, then look, it may or may not work, but the very least we can say is you're going to be in a big old crowd with a huge amount of other people. And so I see this time and time again. People say, well, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to get out of college. I'm going to get a great major. I'm going to get good grades again. I'm going to have a great degree. I'm going to have a great record. I'm going to have a great academic record. I'm going to get out. I'm going to do a couple extra curricular activities. I'm going to have a great resume and I'm going to apply for great jobs. Fantastic. You are now in the queue with thousands, hundreds, tens of thousands of other people who are all doing the exact same thing. So could work for you, but really, I mean, why would you want to do that? And so, you know, I think I would just sort of double down on this as not just a practical thing, but an attitude thing. Uh, if you're in a do mentality and a questions based paradigm, you are in a discovery mode. You are not willing to just let stuff come to you. You are you are actively pressing. You know, answers you, you can solve. Questions you have to really think about and ask and push forward, right? And then when you get an answer, you have to ask a better question. And if you do that in the context of understanding, narrative, and all those kinds of things, now this changes everything when it comes to the do aspect of things. You know, I don't want any of our students to ever have to really issue a resume. I've never once in my entire life sent a resume for a job, not once. I've never had a traditional interview. And I'm not saying that you'll never have those things. I'm just saying that most people can avoid them if they're willing to think a little bit differently. And if you think about this from a job perspective, right, 
Don't go for the job that's open. Don't be applying for the one that everybody else is applying for. Now you're one of the crowd. Go to these places and do what Jay said. Hey, can I fix your Facebook page? Hey, can I volunteer to work on your farm? Hey, can I muck stalls for a little bit to learn about horses? Hey, can I volunteer and go along with you? Hey, what if I did this project for you for free? Hey, what if I came and worked for you for two months for free? And at the end of that, if I have proved my value, you find a place for me. Now you're competing against nobody. You're, you're the, the field is wide open. But all of that requires you to do something. It requires action. It requires the quite real possibility of failing. And it requires that if you do fail, that you're mature enough to say, okay, I failed. What did I learn from that? Now let's keep going and don't let that slow you down. That, that attitude change is more important than any of the practical stuff that we're saying here. That makes you look at the world entirely differently. And look, if you combine that with the ability of knowing that people are driven by narrative, not just just imagine with me for a second that we're talking about a young person who is willing to ask and pursue questions so they're in an active mode of learning and discovery, that they can tell a really compelling story about who they are and what they can do for you. And they're willing to come in and work really hard for less than their worth in order for a chance to prove themselves. Now, you tell me, in your world, is there any place that you wouldn't find a place for that person? right? Whatever it is that you do, tell me that you don't want that person working for you, uh, you know, that you can't recognize that they would be successful. Now, now, that's the difference between kind of understanding these principles and applying them versus somebody that says, yep, I'm just going to get in the educational conveyor belt. And I hope when I get the other side that there's going to be enough slots for all the people that are coming off the machine so I can find one of them slots to fit into. So I think uh, to wrap this up, I think we have been pretty practical for almost this entire podcast. But uh, I think that uh, I'll ask this question. If there is either a young student who's listening to this or the parent of a student listening to this, uh, what would be one particular uh, takeaway that's from this concept of do that you would give to a student as encouragement? Um, Jace, we'll start with you. Well, David, I would say um, start with the questions, obviously, and kind of work those through and um, get an idea of where you're wanting to go and what you want to do. Um, but then once you've kind of laid that foundation, I would just echo what Jonathan um, just mentioned, work for free. Don't be afraid to work for free and and work for free with some, you know, protection there that, you know, knowing that, you know, at some point you have, you're going to have bills to pay, right? So you can't work for free forever, but realize that in the time uh, of life you're in now, this is the perfect time to work for free and to get some really great experience and um, practice doing some things and to build some real skills. So that would be kind of my my first step uh, recommendation is to, to ask those questions, um, understand where you're going, and then don't let um, you know the lack of, of monetary incentive or anything like that kind of deter you from um, taking those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great advice. What about you, Victoria? Mm, I might take a slightly different take on this, um, kind of coming more back to the idea of knowledge turned to action perhaps a good definition of wisdom there, you know, knowledge turned to action issue, actually a personal challenge I've been working on this week, you know, can, can kind of share it here. I tend to, you know, love taking in a lot of knowledge. I'm not always so great at converting it to action. So one of the things that we can do to kind of counteract that is take a step back on perhaps the amount of knowledge you're taking in and force yourself to do one thing with that. And so, for example, you know, if I might read five chapters this week, 
Um, all right, I'm going to let myself read one chapter and I'm going to pick one principle from that and I'm going to do something with that this week. And so it really kind of brings it back down to the brass tacks. That's obviously very specific, um, you know, not, not quite so broad, but pick one thing that you've learned and actually make yourself do something with it because that's where you'll start to see change. And then that obviously can, can kind of have the snowball effect and start making bigger changes in your life. But if you're just getting started with this idea of do, that's a great place to begin. Fantastic place to start. Absolutely. And what would you say, Jonathan? Yeah. So I was thinking about a, a kind of an interesting analogy here. We talk a lot about sort of playing the game that nobody else knows is being played, but, but I, I want to sort of say this in a different way. Um, I'm, I'm not a particular basketball fan. I've never played much basketball, including pickup basketball, and I'm not a super big fan of watching the game, right? So when I watch basketball, I see a bunch of people running around, passing a ball and then shooting out of the basket occasionally, right? Now, if you play basketball, you see that game in a whole different way, right? You 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 are you know what's going on, you know the defenses. I used to sit with a, a former employer, you know, and he'd say, you know, they're run. He'd, he'd like be identifying the defenses, and they never make any sense to me, right? They're still still just look like people running around. But now I have played a lot of ultimate, um, and so when I'm watching an ultimate game and people are throwing the disc around, most people who watch an ultimate game is just a bunch of people chasing a frisbee. Well, I know first of all it's not a frisbee; it's a disc. And secondly, I can look at an ultimate game and in a second, I know what defense is being played. I know whether people are playing man or zone. I know what offense is being run. I know who's on who. And I know when somebody moves at this end of the field, what the next three plays are going to be, right? Because that's what I know about. Like that's that's what I, I have understanding it. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Being able to have that knowledge that lets you look past the surface that everybody else sees and see what's happening underneath and see all the things that are going on. Now, if I play ultimate, which I do less now than I used to, I can play it a whole different way, but I can also coach ultimate and I can help people and I can help them understand what's going on. Okay, so what I want to tell you about this do thing is more than anything else, if you got nothing else, taking Victoria's piece here, if you could take one principle away from this, right? It's not that you have to do it exactly the way we're describing it. It's not even that you have to do it through Unbound, although we'd be delighted to have you. I just want you to understand what an incredible, breathtaking advantage you have if you can grasp this concept. If you are willing to do, if you are willing to get in and get your hands dirty, if you're willing to fail, if you're willing to work for free, if you're willing to create your own opportunities, if you're willing to ask the questions, if you're willing to lean in and be actively engaged, okay? That's what we're talking about with do. We're talking about people who are proactive. We're talking about people who actually work. We're talking about people who go out and look for opportunities. We're talking about people who risk and are willing to ask and get rejected, okay? If you bundle all that up, I just, I cannot overstate the incredible amount of advantages that you now have in your life. I cannot overstate how much you are differentiating yourself from everybody else. I cannot overstate what an advantage you're going to have. Look, we're in an interesting world. I, years ago when I started speaking and touring the country and talking about stuff, uh, we were in the recession and everybody was worried about getting a job. Now it's employers who are worrying about getting employees, right? And yet, and yet I see so many young people who have no idea how to navigate, who, not, who have no idea how to do this, who have no idea how to take advantage of these opportunities. And I'm telling you, if you're the kind of person who right now is willing to work, if you're willing to get in, there has never been a time when you can advance so quickly. There has never been a time when you can learn so much. There's never been a time when you can accomplish so much because there's such a need and there's so few people willing to do it, let alone people who are willing to step outside the traditional way of doing it and do it differently. And so if you're willing to take that little bit of risk and do a little bit differently 
and 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 risk a little bit and try a little bit harder and stuff like that. I just it is hard for me to overstate what a significant difference that can make. And uh, that would be my big encouragement. Like you should be excited about this. You should be motivated by this. And if you respond with excitement and motivation, you're going to do great. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, even just hearing you talk about it uh, makes me excited for it. So, yeah, appreciate uh, all of your thoughts. and uh, normally to wrap things up, uh, I kind of do a summary of everything that we've talked about. I feel like for the most part, you could almost summarize it in just uh, get out there and do things. It could be a one sentence summary. It absolutely could be. Um, but I'll, I'll attempt to give it a little bit more detail because I think there was uh, over 40 minutes of great thoughts from all of you uh, in that. When we have talked about when we look at asking and understanding uh, in education, all of that is the purpose of that is to then go and do. And if you only focus on learning and the knowledge and looking at what you gain in your head from education, it's not going to be that useful. And that's how education used to work. And now what we're saying is that the best way to go about learning and to get an advantage in today's workforce, especially if you're a young person, is to take what you are learning, but then find ways to apply it in the real world. And that doesn't necessarily have to look like uh, starting an amazingly successful startup and starting a Fortune 500 company by the time that you're 25. It can look like a very, very simple, small thing of just doing very small things, looking for ways that you can try doing things and seeing how good you might be at them, whether or not you like doing them, and just going out there, taking a little bit of risk, and do. Or get to work. (laughs) Or maybe and get to work. And get to work. Yeah, thank you, David. That's a much better transition. Perfect. (laughs) Oh. Well, thank you guys, as always, for sharing your thoughts. And uh, I look forward to uh, this next discussion where we look at the final part of this model, which is live. So thank you guys again. So David, yeah, that was, um, once again, great job with the summary. Always respect that. (laughs) Um, But I know for a fact that the whole race by one, uh, doing just one thing, to, to be extraordinary at the ordinary is a huge concept that really shaped how I look at things. It's so easy, especially when we're talking about these concepts. One, you, you, you know, it's a concept, right? Uh, and as we talked about in the episode, uh, it can get very abstract. But yeah, when it comes down to it, it you need action or you're not going anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the... The thing is that just doing, picking the one thing and going for it can be such a freeing concept is that you don't necessarily have to have a full plan of exactly where you're going. You just pick the one thing that you're looking for, pick a direction and go for it. And actually that concept of don't necessarily pick a destination, pick a direction is something that is from our Navigate course here in Unbound. Navigate is a decision-making course for young adults that helps them to develop a decision-making framework that helps them to make life decisions and pick directions in a stress-free and God-honoring 
way. So a lot of the concepts that we have been talking about here, this is a course that really is a great deeper dive into them. So if you would like to learn more about Navigate, please visit beunbound.us slash navigate to learn more about the course. While you're at our website, another thing you should definitely check out is our main program. That is the Ascend program. Ascend is a college program designed to help students fully use their education. They will be living life uh, at the same time, working through classes, getting their degrees, but through all this applying project-based education, learning ways to truly use uh, what they're learning in classes, hopefully in real life through projects and different things like that. This is what we use to teach young people uh, all the principles that we just mentioned. If you are interested, again, please do check us out. It's the Ascend program. Go to beunbound.us slash Ascend. Registration is open. You should definitely uh, go check that out. Uh, if you are interested in something for yourself as a student or someone you know. So thank you all very much for joining us for this episode of the podcast. If you would like to uh, check out some more of our episodes, this is our Unbound Talks series, but we have two other series that you can check out. We have Unbound Conversations, where we are joined by guests who can give us a different perspective on some of the things that we talk about here in Unbound. And actually coming up next week is going to be an episode of Unbound Pursuits. Uh, Abe, tell us a little bit about that series. Yes. So next week, we are uh, sitting down with some of our alumni who are in professional fields that many of you guys, uh, listeners, especially students, those of you um, who uh, submit ideas and all that uh, are interested in. So uh, we'll be talking about ways that they've gotten into their professional field, just some of the real uh, down to earth details and all that. So be sure to be back next week for that episode. And once again, thank you all very much for joining us for this episode. And as always, stay unbound. <laughs>